You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 534 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, and coming to you live here on Friday evening in the aftermath of what was a very interesting basketball game between the Hawks and the Detroit Pistons. Uh, please forgive my tardiness on this podcast. I know it's been a little bit quiet this week. I did have a two-part episode with Coles Wicker early in the week that covered uh, both some stuff on, on the Hawks Gun Core and a uh, part two about the NBA draft. So if you missed those podcasts, please go back and listen to those two. But aside from that, Plenty to get to about this Hawks-Pistons game, and uh, definitely a barn burner, to say the least. There were, uh, I guess, two items of news I wanted to hit on before we get started here that I did not cover on last week's uh, episode. I guess two-part episodes. Um, Jordan Seibert has been the uh, has been added to the Hawks roster as the newest member of the team on a 10-day contract. He was previously in Erie with the Bayhawks, a uh, guy who played in college at both Ohio State and Dayton. Uh, definitely a shooter. The Hawks had to sign someone to get to 14 players, so this is sort of an easy option considering he was in Erie. I know people were asking me why they didn't sign Terrence Jones or other guys. I think Jones, who now actually signed in Houston, definitely is more of a uh, – Someone who could probably potentially help a contender or a playoff team where Cybert's a little bit younger. He's not the youngest guy in the world, though. He is 26, so not really a super long-term play. But at the same time, the Hawks just had to make a move of some sort, and he is familiar. He's someone who's been around and probably in a very similar system in Erie and a shooter, which, of course, Travis Schlenk likes quite a bit. Seibert's uh, actually attempted 8.6 threes per game this year in Erie, making 38% of those guys. Um, he, he is a little bit older, as I mentioned before, but uh, someone who could at least fill the roster spot because the Hawks had to make a move of some sort. This is sort of an easy one. I'll, I'll be interested to see if he signs a second 10-day because at the end of a 10-day contract, the team has an option to, I guess both, both team and player have an option to sign a second 10-day. Um, and then after that, they have to either decide to sign for the rest of the season or let them go. That'll be interesting to see what happens there with Seibert. But he did not play in this game on Friday, or at least wanted to pass along that he is now on the roster. He was active in this game, and we will see if he appears during this 10-day stretch. Uh, other thing on the injury front, Kevin Herter missed this game on Friday evening. He was listed as doubtful originally with an ankle sprain. Um, in fact, Lloyd uh, Pierce was actually asked about Herter's status before the game. He was already ruled out at that point in time, but Pierce said that um, – Herter, quote, did something to his ankle, end quote, in the Lakers game last week before the before the uh, All-Star break. Uh, he, did, he did play against the Knicks in the finale, but he was really not very good in the game, which is at least worth mentioning. Pierce did say that he was healthy there, and he was actually not someone who I look, who was, who was supposed to be out of the lineup. He ended up starting and playing in that game. It just wasn't very good. But still, uh, Pierce said that he did not get full treatment with everybody on break. Obviously, no medical staff, et cetera, et cetera. He was resting the ankle, so a lot of people were asking how, how a guy got hurt or got worse over the break. It's an ankle could be kind of tricky, and more importantly here, the Hawks had two workouts this week before they actually played the game on Friday. Um, Pierce used the word re-aggravated uh, in, in describing Herter. He did say that he'll be fine, quote, from Pierce, but uh, and in fact, they gave him an MRI that, that revealed no structural damage, and the advice was to stay off it for a day or two. I actually followed up and asked whether Herter was expected to be back for Saturday's game against Phoenix, and uh, Pierce did not go as far as to say that it was 100%, but it seems like he's not going to be playing on Saturday against the Suns either in the second game of a back-to-back. So Herter did not play here. It doesn't seem like a long-term injury, but ankles can linger, as we saw with Kent Bazemore and John Collins, etc. this year, so we'll see how that comes to pass. The Hawks do return to action on Monday after this back-to-back with a road 
road trip against Houston. We'll, we will definitely see if uh, Herder makes that trip and plays in that spot. Sort of a quick one-game trip because the Hawks, the Hawks then come back for a game on Wednesday. So we'll keep an eye on Kevin Herder. Okay, back to the game itself here. And uh, definitely you know, sort of a wild one, as you can see, by the final score of 125-122. Uh, the Hawks, it was definitely a back-and-forth game. In fact, um, all, all four quarters were very competitive. The uh, differentials in the four quarters, the Hawks won by, by one point in the first, one point in the second, and lost by seven in the third, and then won by two in the fourth to lose this game. So the Hawks won three out of the four quarters and still lost this game by three points. Definitely a close-fought game, though. And we'll start at the top here. Reggie Jackson opened the game with a three for the Pistons, actually set the, sort of set the tone a little bit. He actually was the leading scorer in the game on either side, which we'll touch on a little bit later on the podcast. But... The Hawks actually immediately turned it over. Sort of a bad precedent at the top here because the uh, Pistons scored the first five points in about the first 25 seconds or so. Um, it, it was not necessarily um, going to be that way all that long, but Detroit did sort of take advantage and take control in the early going. Also two fouls for Dwayne Debman in the first three minutes of this game, which was a problem given the way that Alex Lennon ended up playing and, my, and what I could see defensively. Um, the Pistons had their first sort of big run of the game. It was a 7-0 run to go up by 15-8. It was capped by a huge dunk by Andre Drummond, who actually ran basically just through Dwayne Dedman as he was trying to avoid his third foul there. There was a response, though, after a brief stoppage. Kent Bazemore led a 7-0 run from the Hawks. In fact, Bazemore opened this game 4-4 from the floor with 10 points in the first eight minutes. He made, he made the start in place of Kevin Herter. It was his first start since December 29th, and uh, good to see Bays playing generally well in the spot. It was an 8-0 run by the Hawks late in the first quarter to sort of take control a little bit. A three-point play by Torian Prince, a three by Jalen Adams, getting his first action as the backup point guard after coming back from injury before the break, and then DeAndre Beverly finished in transition to have that little 8-0 run from the Hawks to go up by one point at the end of the first quarter. Uh, defensively, the Hawks had some trouble in the first quarter, but still managed to score enough to uh, sort of outlast that. That was the theme also in the second quarter of this game. In fact, the halftime score was 70-68, which probably tells you all you need to know about the defenses in, that first, in the first half. But worth noting, Vince Carter actually opened the second quarter as the small forward ahead of Justin Anderson, who did not play at all this game. So the Hawks went with three wings plus Vince as the rotation in the spot. I actually asked Lloyd Pierce pregame, and he expressed that Vince Carter at the three was not something that they were planning on doing as a primary look moving forward. With that said, he didn't say specifically that he was not going to be the fourth wing, and he ended up being the fourth wing in this game. Uh, Pierce did say that they view both both he and um Vince view him as a primary four at this stage of his career, but uh, this is now the third game in a row that he's now played on the wing, so we'll see if that's sort of an over overarching theme. I thought that it wouldn't be, given the way that Pierce answered the question before the game, but he obviously did not want to give away too much, and we saw Vince extensively here. Although It probably helped that he played well and shot the ball great in this, guy, in this spot, which we'll talk about more, but worth noting that uh, he did play the, uh, he, was the four, he was the fourth wing of sorts in this game for the Hawks. It was an 8-3 run from the, from the Hawks in the set, to open the second quarter to go up by 6. A, a 3 from Trey Young later on to go up by 7. Um, it was pretty interesting to see that. And then uh, a big run coming a little bit later than that it was sparked by Trey Young, who was great offensively in this game. A 9-0 run by the Hawks to go up by 14 at 59-45. The run included uh, Young lighting up Reggie Jackson off the dribble um, with a move to his left that finished. And then sort of the highlight play of the night was a dunk by, by Dwayne Debbin, actually, but it was set up by Trey Young off a ridiculous dribble move and a pass by Young that made the rounds. It definitely was sort of everywhere on Twitter and social media, so I'm sure if you, if you haven't seen that play already, you can find it, I'm sure. That was a fantastic pass and move from Trey Young, and then he had a three right after that. In fact, he had 10 points in the first six and a half minutes of the second quarter, and Young was cooking in a big way in the second quarter uh, on his own. 
found a, just for good measure, he found Torian Prince shortly thereafter on a great lead pass to the corner for a three, and uh, was definitely in full uh, domination mode there at, at times in the second quarter. Uh, the Pistons did bounce back, though. I mentioned before, the Hawks were up by 14 with about, you know, it was one of those things fairly late in the second in the second quarter, but a 7-0 run by the Pistons to sort of slash into the, into the lead a little bit. Pierce was furious with, with, the, with the officiating during the break after he called timeout there, up by five. In fact, the Hawks were only up by two at the half after leading by 14 points, and that was kind of brutal, honestly, given the relative collapse that ended up sort of, I guess, costing the Hawks in the end. Uh, it didn't feel like, the, it felt like they were probably going to escape with the win late, late in this game, which we'll get to in a second, but... If you're trying to find a one one stretch of this spot, um, it was the end of the second quarter and the beginning of the third quarter that sort of let the Hawks down in this game. Still at the half, uh, Young had 20 points, six, six assists, and the offense was fantastic. He had 130 offensive rating in the first half, great shooting, only eight turnovers, and uh, the defense, though, struggled. That kind of was the story of the first half of this game. Into the third quarter, though, I mentioned before, this is sort of a struggle point for Atlanta. Um, one thing to note, um, in the first half, Young and Jackson guarded each other, and they both kind of had their way with one another. Not a lot of defense being played in that matchup. Um, in the second half, though, they actually had Young guard Bruce Brown, um, which was a little bit more effective, and also they went to Kent Bazemore and uh, later later DeAndre Bembry on Reggie Jackson, which was probably smart on both counts, considering neither one of those guys could get stops in the first half. Just worth noting that at the top here, but the Pistons took their first lead in a while at 75-74, and in fact, they opened with a 21-8 run to open the second, the second, open the second half to go up by 11 points. The, Haw- the Hawks scored eight points in the first eight and a half minutes of the third quarter, which is brutal offense. They were two of 12 from the floor with seven turnovers in eight and a half minutes. That's really, really ugly. In fact, they only got two, they actually got two of those eight points off of technical foul free throws, and that, that's kind of where things get a little bit a little bit hairy here. Blake Griffin hit a three to go up, uh, to put the Pistons up by 11 points at 88 to 77, but he was actually ejected after chirping at the Hawks bench. Um, after hitting that three, Blake had a, a, a had a technical foul before that, pretty shortly pretty shortly before that, and uh, that ended up being his second of the night. In fact, uh, the pool reporter, which I believe was from the AP, asked the crew chief um, of the referees after the game, and he referenced a uh, that Blake quote yelled in a taunting manner at the Atlanta bench using vulgarity um, end quote. That was the official response, and then after the game, uh, Lloyd Pierce and Vince Carter and others were kind of prompted about this. Uh, everybody kind of towed the party line publicly about not hearing what what. Blake had to say uh, there was a there was a tweet from Chris Kirshner of the Athletic that kind of shed light um, from one of the Haw- one of the Hawks players. I'm not exactly sure which one uh, using the f bomb as uh, something that something that um, Blake had to say. But uh, at any rate, there was an ejection and there definitely a lot of chippiness in the second half. But the ejection was um, with the Pistons up by 11 points, and from that point forward, the Hawks were really better than the Pistons. It just didn't matter at the end because the lead was already so big. But um, from there, Alex Lynn had a nice little stretch, probably his best stretch of the game, with five quick points to get the Hawks back within six. And then Vince Carter hit, hit another three to get back within five. Vince was fantastic in the third quarter, hit, hit all three of his threes. He was bombs away in the third quarter. And I should play with a ton of energy throughout this game. Vince, as old as he is and as veteran-laden as he is, he was definitely, I think, the most, I think the most fired-up player visibly in terms of emotion in the second in the second half. A lot of chippiness that I asked about, and a lot, asked a lot of guys about, both you know Pierce and John Collins and, and Carter, etc. 
Everyone sort of acknowledged the emotion level and the competitiveness in this game. Sort of downplayed it in some ways as well, but Vince seemed fired up throughout the second half. That was something that I definitely noted and wanted to pass along. See, he was certainly certainly dialed in there, but he was really good as well, which probably helped things. Uh, there was a big dunk from DeAndre Bember to get back within five. That was a highlight-worthy play, and then Vince had another three late to get get back within five again as well. So the Hawks sort of lingered in that low in that low to mid single-digit range, um, but still still were trailing as the fourth quarter arrived. The fourth, though, was very kind to the Hawks for most for the most part. In fact, Bembry hit a three to open the fourth quarter, and then um, Carter hit another three, his fourth, um, actually, uh, I believe, sorry, no, his third. One of, the, one of those was actually uh, t- deemed to be uh, foot on the line, but another, another long-range connection from Carter. And so a 6-0 run to open the fourth quarter, put the Hawks up actually leading for the first time in a long time to go by one. It was 24-12 to in terms of the run after Griffin's ejection. And the Pistons didn't score for the first three-plus three minutes of the fourth quarter. That was a huge little stretch. And Vince Carter, at one point, was plus 25 in terms of his individual plus-minus in a game where the Hawks were only up by one point. So that kind of cooled down a little bit from there, but uh, definitely speaks to the impact that Vince had in this game. Um, I guess, as you might expect, the Pistons did recover to some degree because Bruce Brown had had a three-point play and then hit a brief uh, three briefly thereafter that to go up by five points. He had the first six points of the quarter for Detroit. From there, it was a lot of back and forth. Five points from Trey Young in a row after he'd been quiet for a while. But then the Pistons went up by seven after a couple of buckets from John Lure and Bruce Brown um, with six and a half minutes to go. The Hawks were in trouble at that point in time, down seven with six to go. But, and they, but they went back to the starting lineup, and that proved to be a wise decision from Lloyd Pierce. A 9-0 run out of the timeout to take the lead, including a three-point play from Trey Young at the 344 mark. That, uh, to that point in the game was the biggest play of the game to put the Hawks back on front. And Reggie Jackson had a really, really rough stretch of about three minutes where he was uh, pretty much actively uh, imploding the Pistons' chances to win this game. Uh, if you look at the box score, he obviously had a big game offensively. But that that three-minute stretch is worth watching from about the seven-minute mark to the three-and-a-half-minute three mark where he was just genuinely terrible and kind of allowed the Hawks back into the game. But the Hawks took advantage of that. With that said, a couple of empty trips there and then a lot of back and forth from the, from the end of this game, uh, the, last, the last three minutes or so. Collins hit a three on the wing to go um, to actually go up by three with about two and a half minutes to go. That was fouled by an offensive foul by Detroit. And then Dedman scored to go up by five points with 153 to go. So the Hawks led by five with less than two minutes to play and still ended up losing this game because a three-point play from, from Jackson on the next trip to get back within two. Um, the Hawks did lead by four again briefly after that, but then Drummond hit four straight points to tie the game with 44 seconds to go, and then Young turned the ball over, um, which was kind of a rough uh, stretch. And then, by the way, well, um, I guess there was an empty trip with about 30 seconds to go. Actually, Young missed a floater. There was a timeout from the Pistons. They came in, they came uh, back. Kind of inexplicably, Young was on the floor in a defense-only possession when the Hawks had a timeout to play with. I'm not really sure why that happened. That, um, yeah. Kind of a rough stretch there. I'm not going to blame that on the uh, final result, but I'm not really sure why he was in the game on defense in that spot. I guess you know the argument would be that if you get a run out, you want to have him on the floor, but uh, kind of a tough strategy session there from the uh, from Lloyd Pearson company. But that possession ended up with a, with a fun maker three. It was sort of a broken play, honestly. It was not bad defense overall from the Hawks. Uh, maker hit the three to go up by three points with 17 seconds to go. And then on the other end, the Hawks did get two good looks at the basket. Young hit a young young attempted a very long three from the top of the key that went begging. John Collins gathered offensive rebound, got the ball to Vince Carter, who launched a contested three that would have tied the game, but he, he missed that one, and the Pistons escaped with the victory. 
So I know that's a lot of uh, information to throw at you. Just for some reference, I had about a thousand word um, running recap on PeachtreeHoops.com, which kind of tells you the story. There was a lot of back and forth, a lot of fireworks in the second half, especially of this contest. But big picture wise, the offense was good for the Hawks in this game. There was the one stretch in the third quarter when they were just basically unable to score early on in the third eight points in nine minutes or so. That's going to get you beat a lot, but sort of in general, though, the offense was, was good. A 118.6 offensive rating. That is definitely acceptable and much better than acceptable, actually. Pretty uh, pretty impressive offensive performance overall. 49% from the floor, 48% from three, 20 of 42. 23 is a lot of threes for the Hawks in this spot, and they were efficient at the free throw line as well. Only 21 assists, which is not as many as you want to see. I guess 18 turnovers, but in general, the offense was clicking. They shot the ball well. They got good, they got they got a lot of good looks and uh, just did a pretty good job offensively, all things considered. Defensively, it wasn't great. I got better in the second half, I will say, but. In general, a 121.5 defensive rating is pretty ugly. 48% from the floor for the Pistons, only eight turnovers. They did kind of what they needed to do to uh, control things. Missed a lot of free throws as well. Detroit missed 10 free throws, only three misses for the Hawks. That actually ended up being kind of pivotal to keep the Hawks engaged in the spot. But uh, I mentioned before, Jackson had 32 points. He was very efficient as well. 22 shots, 32 points, eight assists. Griffin had 15 points before he was ejected. And Andre Drummond had 26 points and 21 rebounds and five steals, by the way, which is a weird stat for someone like Drummond. But um, he was uh, effective, obviously. He was one of his better games of the season, and that is worth noting as well. Um, so that's kind of a lot of information to throw at you, but big picture-wise, I, I will just say you know, the Hawks were five-point underdogs or so in this spot. They lost by three, so they they covered the spread, which, which usually means they played decently. I would agree. You know, Lloyd Pierce praised his team for for their competitiveness throughout this game. Not, not a lot of great closing from the Hawks. I mentioned before, but they were up, up by five points with less than two minutes to go and lost this game by three. That's not ideal, obviously, but it's a young team that's learning. First game after the All-Star break, you can't really be too upset with the way they played. A lot of energy, a lot of chippiness, a lot of um, you know execution that was not terrible in this game. Just defensively, they didn't do quite enough. Offensively, had the one bad stretch, but in general, probably like a B, a B performance, I would say, in terms of a letter grade, and that's kind of how you lose the game by three points to a team that's better than you, but on your, on your home court and all that fun stuff. So, with that said, we will come back in a brief moment to talk about the individual players in this game. I do want to hit, take a moment to remind you to, to subscribe to the podcast. Please tell your friends. I know I've not been having uh, recap shows for a while because the Hawks weren't playing, but now that they are, we'll have a recap of this game and the next one and plenty of content on the way in this space. So check out the Locked On Podcast Network. Press the subscribe button on your podcast platform of choice. And we'll be back again in just one second with more on the individual players in this game. Okay, we're back to talk about the individual players, and we'll, we'll stay brief here. I know there was a lot going on in the rundown of the actual game itself. So we'll start on the bench. Only five guys appear because no, no, no Kevin Herter. Justin Anderson did not play, which was a mild surprise. I mentioned that before with Vince Carter playing the three. But, you know, I'm on record. I'll say it again here. Anderson probably should be playing right now, in my opinion. But not, not a huge, um, I guess, digression from the previous, um, I guess, of the way, rotation, the way that it's been playing out. So no huge surprise there. And then Jordan Seibert did not play. No surprise there either. 11 minutes from Jalen Adams. Um, he, he took it. He took it. Took it. Made only one shot, but it was one of those things where he was efficient. Four assists for Adams. I thought he played pretty steady defensively. He's going to be an adventure. I think that's not breaking news to anyone. Between Young and Adams, they're, they're going to have some defensive problems at the one. But I, I do like Adams. I've always liked Adams. So his his game kind of played up on, on the offensive end of the floor here. Good to see him play some solid minutes. Alex Lynn, 20 points. Sorry, 20 minutes. 
eight points, six rebounds, and a steal for Lynn. Three or three, three from the floor, two or two from the from the uh, three point line. And I thought Lynn was pretty quiet in this game, aside from that one stretch where he's where his offense was kind of important. Defensively, I thought it was kind of a bad night for Alex. Wasn't like it was a complete disaster, but just didn't have it going. Didn't, couldn't keep Andre Drum off the glass when he was out there. Just didn't have a great game, despite the pretty solid um, counting stats. Bembry had a nice game, 10 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, a couple of highlight plays, was pretty efficient, and defensively did did a pretty good job when he was asked to cover on the perimeter. Uh, Vince Carter had a huge game offensively. He was a, uh, a Hawks best, plus 17 in 16 minutes, 16 points, 16 minutes for Vince. Obviously a lot of bombs away there for Carter. Defensively, he gave some of it back, but obviously the Hawks in this game were at their best when he, when he was playing, which can't be ignored. I think it's probably overstating a little bit to talk about his impact, but still, I thought he played very, very well by his standards. And fi- finally, Amari Spellman, three points and uh, five rebounds. You know, Lloyd Pierce shouted him out in the uh, post-game press conference for his rebounding in the second half, which is worth definitely saying again. Uh, Spum made his first three of the game and then actually was 0 of 2 after that. But, you know, played with energy as he, al- as he always does, was always in the mix. Defensively had some issues, but good rebounding and uh, can't really ask for too much more from Spellman. Um, in the starting lineup, Kent Bazemore had a great first half, first quarter, uh, definitely cooled off from there in terms of his scoring. 12 points, 7 rebounds, and 2 steals for Bays. 5-10 from the floor, 2 of 6 from 3. So not, not great after the first quarter. But still a, a much better defender than guys he's replacing for the most part other than Bembry. So good to see baseball at least play solid. Play 34 minutes in this game. That's probably where he should be, especially without Herter. He's uh, the best option for the Hawks on the wing. Dwayne Devin had, had a double-double, 14 points, 12 rebounds. Had three block shots as well. Played very well, I thought, um, despite the fact that he had three fouls um, pretty early. He had 23 minutes played, which is, which was, a lot of that was, was because they played small, trying to play a lot of offensive laps, and because of the foul trouble early on. Len didn't play great. I thought Devin was, was very good, very productive. Torian Prince was uh, quiet, um, and probably not in a good way. He was minus 17, which didn't feel didn't feel misleading necessarily. You know, he and Baysmore were minus 17, minus 16 combined. Um Prince, seven points, two of nine from the floor, one of five from three. Didn't have too much going on defensively. I didn't think he was terrible defensively, but didn't uh, didn't have you know any pop plays there and just was kind of anonymous on offense for the most part. John Collins wasn't efficient by his standards, 19 points on 16 shots, but did make three of five from three, which is nice to see. At one point in the first half, he was two of two from three and 0 of five from two, which I think is probably a first in his career. It was kind of a bizarre night in some ways for John Collins. But he had a couple of nice plays late and had a, had a big offensive rebound on, on the final possession to create another look. Didn't end up, I guess, didn't end up mattering, but it was a nice big play from Collins at the end of this game. And finally, Troy Young was uh, enormous offensively, obviously, 30 points. 10 assists for Young, 11 of 23 from the floor, 5 of 11 from three. Um, he was extremely productive. Obviously, he was pretty quiet for parts of the second half after the 20-point explosion in the first half, but made big plays in the fourth quarter. Obviously, wasn't all perfect, but uh, he's definitely a confident guy. He did he did he did he did mention in talking to the media after the game that he thought he came up he came up short personally, kind of downplayed the numbers, which is what you want to see a guy do downplay the big the big numbers that he had um, in favor of the loss. But um, I thought Young played well offensively. Obviously, defensively. It's an adventure. It almost always is. Um, but trying to guard Reggie Jackson did not go well in the first half. Even Bruce Brown got loose a little bit on him in the second half. So it's a work in progress, obviously. But on the night where he has 30 and 10, he can't really, really be too critical of Young. I thought he played great offensively. And um, that's kind of what the Hawks needed him to do in this game. And they were uh, able to hang around as a result of his huge play um, throughout the game offensively. So, again, one more time, just as a big-picture wrap-up of this game. But the Hawks played... 
I thought pretty decently. Um, you know, defensively it was rough, but offensively they did enough to win. Just couldn't really pull it out at the end. Not great execution. It's a young team, probably losing it. The, the, they, I think they probably should have won this game. It's just one of those things where the, the breaks uh, were not in their favor down the stretch. They just didn't execute in the way that the veteran team did, and that is one of those things. So, um, you know, credit to them, though, for taking advantage of Blake leaving the game down 11 and getting back and actually leading by five in the final two minutes. So um, that'll probably be a good place to leave on, on this podcast. The Hawks are back in action on Saturday night against the, against the Phoenix Suns. I will be in the building for that one at State Farm Arena, so please stay tuned for the podcast on that game. And then after that, I'll be announcing a little bit of an uh, interesting schedule this week because I actually I have some travel on the horizon that's going to keep me uh, probably a little bit more out of loop than normal. So I'll, I'll fill you guys out on that one on Sunday when I have a little bit little, little shorter podcast to deal with. But please subscribe to the podcast. Please tell your friends about the show. If you have a Hawks fan friend, please share the podcast with them. If if they don't like it, that's fine, but have them uh, give it a shot, and we'll uh, try to grow our fan base a little bit in that way. So thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you tomorrow night.